I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today is the 22nd in my 20-part series, right, increasingly and actually named 20-part series, 20 Years, 20 Podcasts. So this, uh, I'm basically going through each year, starting from Magic's uh, uh, first year, 1993, and for each year I'm talking about what happened that year. Uh, and I've done 1993 all the way through 2013, so today we're up to 2014. So today on the right end, everything, well, a lot of things we did in the year 2014. So we're going to start on February 1st was the pre-release, and February 7th was the release of Born of the Gods, a.k.a. Romans. It was uh, Friends, Romans, and Countrymen. So this was the middle set. Uh, the set, by the way, when we named the set, we didn't know it was going to be a Greek set. Um, so the fact that it has kind of a Roman name uh, was pure coincidence. People always, like, shocked at the two, because normally the, the code name has nothing to do with the real name. And in this case, it didn't either. But people are like, oh, it's thematically related. But it's pure happenstance. Anyway, it had 165 cards, 60 commons, 60 uncommons, 35 rares, and 10 mythic rares, uh, which was the size of the small sets at the time. We've since made them a little bit bigger. Um, so it introduced two new mechanics. It had Inspired and Tribute. Inspired was a mechanic that triggered when things untapped, and Tribute was a um, mechanic where you're, you, you gave your opponent a choice, and they could sort of lessen things if they took a penalty with it. And so um, it's uh, what we call a punisher mechanic. So it was a punisher mechanic. Um, Heroic, Bestow, Devotion, and Scry all came back. Monstrous actually didn't come back. Um, we, we Monstrous went away, although it would come back later in the year. We'll see. Uh, the set was lead, de- lead designed by Ken Nagel, and the lead developer was Tom Lapilli. Um and there was a Pro Tour for it. So Pro Tour, Born of the Gods, took place in Valencia uh, on February 21st to the 23rd. Um, and it was modern and uh, booster draft using Born of the Gods. Um, and who won? Did everybody who won? Sean uh, McLaren of Canada defeated Jacob um, Wilson of Canada 2-1. to one. Um, What else can I say about Born of the Gods? So Born of the Gods was the middle set of our, of our Theros block. Um, it ended up being the worst received. I, I think what happened was we had tried to sort of make sure we had saved enough for the third set because often we had problems with the third set. So this block ended up having a second set problem instead of a third set problem because we saved a lot of stuff for the third set. Um, but it, uh, it was, in, in general, it was well received. I mean, I, I think I'm harsh sometimes on some sets. But be aware that Theros Block and Hold did very well, and Born actually did well. Um, I'm just being more critical from a design standpoint. Okay, March 14th, we have Dual Decks, Jace versus Vraska. Um, this is one of the Dual Decks where, where sometimes the, the Dual Decks imply some sort of combat, some, some battle of some kind, and then often they'll write a story. So there's a story written uh, explaining the battle between Jace and um, Vraska, who uh, both... Per, per, both live in Ravnica and uh, had some issues with each other. So um, this dual deck actually prompted, or I don't know if it prompted a story or the story prompted. I think the must have, I think the dual deck prompted the story is my guess. Um, but anyway, uh, we tend to do two dual, dual decks in a year. And at the time, we in the spring we always did uh, a um, planeswalker on planeswalker dual deck, um, and the idea was. Uh, when we did that, we would go back one year. So Return from Ravnica was the previous block. 
So these are both um, the Planeswalker cards from the Return to Ravnica block. So that's, that's why, like I said, they're both on Ravnica. They both were in Return to Ravnica. Okay, next. April 26th was the pre-release, and May 2nd was the release of uh, Journey into Nyx. Um, so Journey into Nyx uh, also had 165 cards, 60 commons, 60 uncommons, 35 rares, and 10 mythic rares. Um, it introduced two new mechanics, Constellation and Strive. Um, Constellation was a mechanic rewarded you for playing enchantments, and Strive allowed you to target additional things. Um, it had all the mechanics from the previous block, including Monstrous, which came back, um, and although it had very, very little devotion. The only devotion in the set were the five gods. Oh, I didn't talk about that. So the other thing that happened is in the first, in Theros, in 2013, we introduced five monocolored gods that were sort of the major gods. And then in Born of the Gods and Journey to Nyx, we introduced the minor gods. So first the ally gods were in uh, Born Born of the Gods, and then the enemy gods were in Journey to Nyx. Um, We also, for fun, did something we called the God Pack that was sort of a surprise that occasionally, on, on rare occasion... Uh, you could open up a booster pack that had all 15 gods in it in one pack. Um, we often refer to it as the god pack, which is a play on... Um, there, there was a printing thing early in Magic where, uh, mistakenly, uh, when, we, when you run decks, uh, we have sheets that you print off of, and every once in a blue moon, they will mess up, and instead of putting commons or uncommons in, the, in their slot, they will put rares because they have the wrong sheet in the hopper. Um, and so when you get a set that's all rares, um, they often call that a god pack. That's the nickname the players refer to that. It happens infrequently, but it happens every once in a blue moon. Um, but anyway, that was us sort of making a play on god pack. We thought it was funny that we had 15 gods, so we made a god pack. Uh, the lead designer of Journey to Nyx was Ethan Fleischer, and the lead developer was Dave Humphreys. Um, I believe this was Ethan's first... Is this right? I think this was his first lead design uh, with Journey to Nyx. So he was on the Theros team and the Born of the Gods team, so that he'd be well familiarized with, with Theros so that he could do his own set. Um, one of the things we had done with Journey is there was an enchantment theme in the block, and the enchantment theme really was much more about um, playing up Greek mythology, but we knew players kind of... We had never really done an enchantment block that was at least perceived as an enchantment block. One would argue Ursa Saga was an enchantment block, but it wasn't perceived that way. Um, and a lot of players really wanted an enchantment matters theme. So we kind of held back on it, and Journey gave that, especially with Constellation. So there are definitely a bunch of decks made, Constellation decks, where just it's a deck full of lots of different enchantments, and then you play them, and then you can, um, you know, ha- ha- have fun just playing tons and tons of enchantments, a deck full of enchantments. Plus we had Bestow, which allowed you to make enchantment creatures, and so... Um, we really gave you the tools, but the idea of playing uh, a heavy enchantment deck really during the Knicks was the one that supported that. Um, what else? The uh, Monstrous is an interesting story real quick, which was we originally, we made a bunch of mechanics for uh, Journey into, uh, sorry, into Theros, um, and then we wanted to add more mechanics in Born and more mechanics in Journey. And the problem was, if you have too many mechanics, you just start causing problems. So we had taken out Monstrous from Born of the Gods, but then later realized we actually still needed it, so we ended up putting it back in and Journey into Nyx. Um, had we figured that out early enough, we probably would have dropped Tribute and just kept Monstrous. It's my, it's my guess what would have happened if we'd figured that out early enough. Um, uh, anything else for Journey into Nyx? Um, 
It is... Yeah, I guess. We'll move on. Oh, so there's one more thing about Journey to Nix. May 16th to the 18th was ProTor Journey into Nix in Atlanta. So it had a Theros block constructed, which I think was the last block constructed. Um, I don't think there was a Khan's block constructed. Um, and then it had a Journey into, uh, Journey, uh, into Nix booster draft. Uh, the winner was Pat Chapin, Hall of Famer Pat Chapin from the USA, who defeated Nam Sung Wook, who was South Korean. Uh, he beat him 2-0. I think Nam might have been the first South Korean to make top eight. Um, he for sure was the first South Korean to make the finals, but I, I think he might have been the first South Korean to even make uh, Pro Tour top eight. Um, so Pat, would this uh, winning here allowed him to go to the world championship, and Pat almost, almost took home the world championship. Um, We'll, we'll talk about that a little later in today. Um, so any other journey to Nick's things? Uh, I think not, so we'll move on. Okay, May 30th, we had the Modern Event Deck, uh, 2014. So that's something we did for a bunch of years, a couple years. Uh, so that was the 2014 Modern Event Deck. I actually didn't write down what it was exactly. Um, they were designed to be something that you could take to a modern event that was, you know, playable. Not necessarily going to win every game, but it's something that, you know, you could take and play. Okay, um, June 6th was Conspiracy. So Conspiracy had 210 cards, 101 commons, 80 uncommons, 53 rares, and 15 mythic rares, uh, as well as 20 lands. Um, so, oh, did I say that right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It had 210 cards, 89 commons, 68 uncommons, 43 rares, and 10 mythic rares. Reading from the wrong section. Um, so this was, the lead designer was Sean Main. The developer was Dave Humphreys. Um, so Sean came up with this idea for a set in which it was a multiplayer product that you would draft that had things that affected the draft. Um, and this is something that Sean had worked on and come up with, and it's one of those things that just like he had an idea and we needed a product, and bam, before you know it, Sean has made a conspiracy, uh, which really was a, a quirky product. Like I said, it's a product, first off, you draft it, and then you have cards that affect the draft. Cards that while you're drafting affected, uh, and then um, when you play, it's actually a multiplayer format where you you don't play one on one. Usually, you would draft with eight people and then make two four person pods. That's how you traditionally play Conspiracy. Now, Conspiracy did have a bunch of new mechanics: um, Will of the Council, Dethrone, Parlay, Hidden Agenda, uh, and it brought back a couple things: Morbid and Multi Kicker. Um, really what it tried to do was it tried to make mechanics that were more focused on things that would make sense in either a multiplayer environment or things that affected the draft in a way that was different. Um, it's interesting to note that those two things don't necessarily have to go together. Um, we could, in theory, make a drafting product that's meant for one-on-one draft that affected the draft, and we could make a multiplayer product that wasn't didn't have any draft components to it, but that you played multiplayer. So... Um, it definitely was a hybrid of sorts, so something that, that uh, Sean had come up with. So, um, and, and obviously, uh, in 2016, this year, we have Conspiracy 2 coming out. So, obviously, it was, a, it was a successful enough product that two years later, we made a sequel. So, that's a, usually a good sign that we, we did something right. Um, Conspiracy is the kind of product that I really love to see. Um, the funny thing, it's not my personal cup of tea, but uh, I'm not, multiplayer play is not my favorite thing. Um, but I love the idea that we keep making different, uh, you know, we, we use the innovative product of, in, the innovative 
product as we call it, to do new and different things. Like, here's a way to play magic that maybe you haven't played before. Uh, and I know a lot of people who play Conspiracy, basically their attitude was, they went and kind of skeptical and watched it going, ooh, that was a lot of fun. I did not expect that to be as much fun. Um, and so I like making products where we keep shaking things up and trying different things. And um, I was very happy for Sean that he came up with this idea that seemed a little weird and we finally made it and it was a big hit. So, um, hats off to Sean. Okay, then on June 16th, we released Vintage Masters on Magic Online. So it was a Magic Online only um, format or, or product. I had 325 cards, 101 commons, 80 uncommons, 105 rares, and 30 mythic rares. So the rares and mythic rares were doubled um, from normal because we wanted to get more variants and more cards in. Uh, one of the things Vintage Masters was trying to do was just get more access to cards that... Uh, the, the one of the problems Magic Online has had is when we started making Magic Online, it started with Invasion. And so, um, little by little, we've been trying to sort of go backwards and get some other sets into it. But there's a bunch of stuff that's missing. And so Vintage Masters was trying hard to sort of put in a lot of the missing cards into, into the product uh, so that, Mag- that Magic Online would have the cards. Um, there's still a few cards missing. It's, 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 it's an ongoing project. The fact that we don't have the early cards... Um, makes it tricky. Now, we, we've tried real hard to get as many of the cards that matter in the format, so, you know, Vintage and Legacy and Modern, make sure those cards are there. I guess all the Modern cards are there, but for Vintage and Legacy, try to make sure all the cards are there. I know we're not 100%, but we try very hard, and we'll continue to do that. Okay. Um, next, July 12th was the pre-release. July 18th was the release of Magic 2015, as released in 2014. So I've talked about this before. The reason that the year is a year later is the course that's something that's important to have in retail, and retail won't stock things with an old year in them. So if, let's say Magic 2014 came out in 2014, um, then comes 2015. But the product, we want the product out for a year uh, that when it came to the next year, they would toss it and wouldn't keep it. So like cars, we kind of dated it a year ahead to make sure it could stay in the stores. That's for those that always wondered why we dated it a year ahead. Uh, anyway, Magic 2015, uh, the lead designer was Aaron Forsyth, um, and the lead... Do I know who the lead developer was? I don't. I didn't write that down. Um, so the, the, the premise here was it was revolved around Garrick. The flavor was Garrick, Hunt Bigger Game. So Garrick, uh, we saw in Innistrad, had been cursed, and now he's become a planeswalker hunter, and he's going around trying to kill planeswalkers. Um, and in the story, he kills a few planeswalkers. Um, so the mechanic we brought back in corsets at the time, we would bring back a mechanic, brought back Convoke, which was the Selesny mechanic in original Ravnica. Um, and uh, there, uh, the set had a card, fra- card frame change. So Magic has, has twice changed its card frame on, in a substantial way. There's little tweaks we've done. Uh, first was with 8th um, edition, we had changed to the... the the more modern frame from the, what Magic had started with. And then with 2015, we changed to a slightly newer frame. The reason for this change, uh, the biggest impetus, was we needed to change how the cards were for the way the machines are printed. Um, everything now is sort of digitized, and uh, if, it was important that the machine could tell what each card was. And so we put a card code at the bottom. That's what the bottom is. Um, now, it's turned out that it's a means and ways for people to also get the information. Uh, we put it there for the machines, but we also put it there so the humans could see it. Um, and so um, 
the, 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 this change did not have quite as much drama as the last change. The 8th edition change, uh, there's a big outcry from people, but uh, this change was a lot more subtle. It wasn't quite as uh, sweeping a change, but anyway, that's, it premiered in, in uh, this, the, the product. Um, also, 2015 was, uh, there was a gimmick in it where he went out to famous game designers outside of Magic and had them design cards. In fact, probably the coolest my son has ever thought I was when he learned that Notch, the guy who made Minecraft, was making a Magic card. He thought that was amazing and awesome. Uh, and I remember when it came out, I was tweeting something, and I, I, said, I made some joke to uh, Notch, uh, Marcus Peterson, tweeted something, and I replied to him, and he replied to me. Uh, and the fact that Notch replied to me on Twitter, my, my son thought that was the most amazing thing. So, anyway... Uh, <laughs> Okay, uh, anything else about Magic 2015? Um, that would end up being the last traditional core set. Uh, in 2015, we do Magic Origins, which had core set-like qualities, but wasn't really a traditional core set. So Magic 2015 was the last of the core sets. Um, so I'm hitting traffic. Um, but like I said, traffic for me, more content for you. Uh, anything else about this? Uh, we did a big, big promotion... Uh, this set had the normal five planeswalkers plus a special multicolored Garrick, um, which had, uh, I think Garrick had four abilities, one of a few four ability planeswalkers. Uh, the original one we did was Jace, uh, the Mind Sculptor. So I think this was the, this was the second one we've ever done. Um, and, uh, what else? Oh, the cool thing was we did a promotion at, um, Comic-Con later in the year. And the promotion, because the theme of the set was, it was all about Garrick, is we worked with Nerf. Nerf's part of uh, Hasbro, which we're a subsidiary of. And we worked with Nerf to make a, a axe, a, a Nerf Garrick's axe, um, which I have uh, at home and my son always wants to play with. And I always have to caution him as to not hurt other things or the axe. Um, but anyway, that was really cool. It's one of my favorite, I don't know, promotional things we've ever done uh, was the, the Garrick axe. I think that was pretty cool. Okay, um, also in conjunction with the Pro Tour, uh, on August 1st to the 3rd, was Magic 2015, a Pro Tour Magic 2015 in 2014. Yeah, we knew that was going to be a little bit weird. But uh, we uh, previously, we just had Pro Tours for the normal releases, and then starting with 2014, we started doing one for the core set, although that would transition, um, obviously as we're transitioning to four normal sets a year rather than three in a core set. But anyway, that was the introduction. We, we brought back a fourth Pro Tour. Um, added, by the way, it took place in Portland. It was a standard event uh, and had Magic 2015 booster draft as a limited format. Uh, Ivan Flock of, the, of Slovakia defeated Jackson Cunningham of Canada, three to two. Um, this is one of the... One of the uh, um, one of the more local pro tours for us. Uh, Portland is not not too far away, so um, we, we've had a few pro tours in Seattle. Might have been the first pro tour in Portland. I remember if it is or not. Um, but anyway, um, Ivan Flock's gone on to be uh, quite the magic player, and here I think this was his first win. I think he's been in another finals. Uh, okay, um, July eighteenth, in in uh, connection with. Uh, the core set, we, all, we put out a Deck Builder's Toolkit. So this is a 2014 edition. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with the Deck Builder's Toolkit, one of the things we wanted to do 
was when people start playing, we want to get cards in their hand. We want to give them access to cards. So in order to do that, we made a product that just gives you lots of cards, that it's, its value ratio of what it costs versus how many cards you get is very, very good. Um, and what it does is it has lots and lots of commons and uncommon cards. And what we do is um, we pick themes. Uh, so we have what we call the welcome decks, which are decks that we give to stores and um, and conventions and things where people can hand out for free, the 30-card decks that people can play. Um, traditionally, there are two versions of each of five decks. That There's five monocolored decks, and there's two versions, usually. Um, and the, the decks are tied to Planeswalkers. Um, but anyway, the, the Deck Builders Toolkit uh, works in conjunction with the themes built in of the welcome decks. They're, the products are kind of tied together. Because um, one of the things we want to do is not only give you access to more cards, but give you some seeds to help build some decks around. So what happens is you get sort of sub, subsets of cards that have a, a, a theme to them so that it can help guide you of what you might want to do with your cards. I mean, you can do whatever you like, obviously, but we try to give you some themes to help you along, to help um, give you an idea for, for new people who are building their decks for the first time. Um, one, I, I tell you this all the time, that one of the big barriers to entry is... Um, one of the big, sorry, one of Magic's big issues is barrier entry, and one of those barrier entries is deck building. That deck building is very intimidating when you've not done it before. That you know, it's, it's a big, important, fun part of Magic, but we wanted to make sure that we help, had a product to help taught people how to deck build. And so Deck Builder's Toolkit is exactly that product. That is, A, gives you a lot of cards, gives you a lot of choices, and gives you seeds of decks to help sort of encourage the kind of things that you can build. So that is the Deck Builder's Toolkit. Okay, uh, then August 22nd, we had From the Vault Annihilation. So this was led by Gavin Verhey. Um, so one of the things we do with From the Vault is we're always trying to have different themes. We're trying to mix it up. We're trying to do different kinds of cards. Um, so From the Vault Annihilation was basically board sweepers. Um, and so Gavin worked hard to sort of... And the idea of From the Vault is you want to go through history and find a lot of iconic cards that fits some thematic theme. And we try to mix up the theme of From the Vault. The idea is, I mean, there's the From the Vault collectors, obviously. But then there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, this year, the From the Vault's for this subgroup. And we tend to mix it up, you know, who, the, who it's for, so that we can sort of introduce different kind of, uh, of products that, you know, hey, here are cards that, make, that work well in a cube or work well in Commander. Oh, well, we have a Commander product, so usually it's not for Commander. But uh, and this one was thematic. Sometimes, we, you know, we've done... Uh, creature types like dragons and angels. We've done banned and restricted. We've done lands. We, you know, we've done a lot of different kinds of things. So um, this was us trying. Uh, uh, this was a little different for us. It was the first time we did one in which it was based on the um, effect. I think we've done. I don't think we've done other ones with effect. Um, but anyway, it, it's just definitely us doing a different kind of thing. Okay, next on September fifth, dual deck speed versus cunning. So this was a tricky one. So the way it uh, traditionally worked at the time was in the spring, we would make a dual deck that was based on Planeswalkers, and that was always the Planeswalkers from one block back. So it was Theros, so we go back to Return from Ravnica. We picked two Planeswalkers from Return of Ravnica. Ideally, we picked two people that actually had a beef with each other. If they didn't have a beef, sometimes creative will make a story or explain why, oh, why, oh, they did have a beef, like... Jason Vraska. I don't think Jason Vraska actually fought in the original story, but we ended up making a short story to sort of explain the conflict between them. Um, that they, they, have, they both care about Ravnica in very different ways and a very different agenda for what they want Ravnica to do. So them butting heads made a lot of sense. 
Um, but in the fall set, normally the fall set is tied to the set that's coming out. Now, when it's a known set, when it's a set we're revisiting somewhere, like the previous year we had gone to Ravnica, Return of Ravnica. Well, it was very easy. We were able to have two guilds fight against each other. Well, the guilds were known quantities. People know who they are. We had a previous block of cards to pull from. You know, so we had a lot of ability to sort of use the core set to show off the new set. So the problem here was the new set was Kanta Tarkir. How exactly do you show off Kanta Tarkir when we've never, ever been to Tarkir before? You know, and yeah, we give a few preview cards, but like there's not enough to sort of get a feel. So what we did instead was we took two of the factions and sort of flavored them. They were in the colors of the factions, in the theme of the faction, without too much of the faction. I mean, some of the preview cards were using faction stuff, obviously. Um, but the idea of speed versus cunning is, well, we can't say it is um, Mordu versus, uh, or Mardu, sorry, Mardu versus um, Jeskai, because Mardu didn't mean anything and Jeskai didn't mean anything. So we sort of split the difference and sort of, they matched the colors and they matched the theme. Um, but it was something that was just a little bit different. Oh, hold on one second. Um, I think I got to cut over. There's a... Is it accident? I think there's an accident. Okay. Sorry. Uh, as we know, the rule first in my podcast is safety first. So let me first cut over here, and then I will continue on with the year 2014. Okay, I've cut over. Okay. Um, so where was I on? I was on uh, talking dual decks. Oh, so we did speed for, for cunning. Um, didn't quite go over... As, uh, it wasn't quite as clear as we hoped. We were definitely trying to make something that sort of said, hey, um, this is kind of connected, but people didn't really see the connection um, because we didn't want to call it Mardu versus Just Guy because we knew the factions wouldn't mean anything at the time we were selling the product. Um, people didn't quite understand what we were up to, so not the most successful as far as people understanding it. Um, the decks, People did like the decks, though. The decks were fun. Okay, September 30th. I'm sorry, September 20th was the pre-release. September 26th was the release of Khans, Hans, Khans, Khans of Tarkir, a.k.a. Huey. So Huey, Dewey, and Louie. So there are 269 cards. Oh, really? Did I get another lane just to have to... I did. They made me get over in a lane only to then move, and I have to go back in the lane I started. So... Oh, I see. They scooted all the cards over. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Khans of Tarkir, Huey. So Huey, Dewey, and Louie which were the nephews of Donald Duck. Um, in fact, they are they, that's the order of their names. So that was a horrible, horrible mistake for a code name because people kept getting confused because they all rhyme, and not a lot of people know the order of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. So just remembering which set was where and which order caused a lot of problems. Um, anyway, 269 cards, 101 commons, 80 uncommons, 53 rares, 15 um, mythics, 20 lands. Um, so you'll notice we changed this. We uh, finally went up 20 cards in Uncommon from 60 to 80. Uh, Uncommon was just really pinched, and we decided that we would have a better draft environment if we just made some more cards to give us a little more flex room in Uncommon. Uh, and we've made that a staple now. So now, in large sets, uh, we're up to 80 Uncommons. Uh, the set was... Um, where am I? Uh, the set was led by me. I led the set. And the development was led by Eric Lauer. So... Um, I think this was... He and I had done Theros, and he and I had done Innistrad, so um, at the time, uh, I was doing most fall sets, and Eric was doing most fall sets, so this was a, a common thing. Uh, I mean, you'll see. We're, we're changing things up a little bit. Uh, um, 
Although I'm still, I'm still doing. Uh, I have my hand in most of the big sets now. Uh, I'm doing a lot of co-leading. You'll see in Kaladesh. I uh, what, what the way it's going to work is I was leading the first half of the design, and then I hand off to one of my designers for the second half of the design. So Sean Main, for example, for Kaladesh. So the idea is I'm co-leading. So for a while, I, I'm I'm going to be doing some co-leading where. I'll be doing every large set, but then handing it off halfway through so that I can go to the next large set. Um, I do stick around. I, I just, I'm not leading anymore. Okay. Um, so, Kantatark here introduced uh, Wedge, our first Wedge block. Um, although, one of the things, so once again, Kantatark here was built around, it started with a draft structure we wanted to do. We wanted to do large, small, large, in which the small set got drafted with both large sets, but the two large sets never got drafted together. Um, and then from that, I came up with the idea of doing a time travel story, uh, and then it ended up being the story about Sarkin returning to his home world, to this war-torn sort of warlord world. Uh, it's a world in which dragons that he revered had died through some uh, special mechanisms to able to go back to the past. He manages to save Ugin, who had been uh, uh, previously killed in his fight with um, Nicol Bolas, but he goes back in t- uh, Sarkin goes back in time, is able to save Ugin, and by doing so, he keeps the dragons from dying. And thus, when we would go back for Dragon Stark here next year, uh, or in 2015, um, it's a radically different world. So this is the original world of the, the, war, the, the war-clad world, uh, and there were five factions, and they were all wedge-colored factions. So, um, and each of the factions, it, it was based on sort of, uh, the inspiration was different areas of China, um, and we sort of took five different areas and built five different factions out of them. Uh, each one had its leader, its warlord, um, and uh, the set had five mechanics, one for each um, wedge, plus a sixth mechanic in Morph. So um, Morph played a big role in this block. Uh, it was the, ma- the magic of the dragons, and the idea is the dragon magic got taken by the humans and uh, they adapted it and used the magic to kill off the dragons. Um, but anyway, so there was... Okay, the five factions were... Let's see if I can remember this from the top of my head. Uh, the white-based faction was Abzan, which was white, black, and green. It was all about endurance, uh, the scale of the dragon, and it had Outlast as its mechanic, a mechanic that allowed you, instead of fighting, you could give yourself... Your creature could, at the end of the turn, tap to give a plus one plus one counter to itself, but it required that you hadn't used it previously. So a lot of the ways you could not attack and then sort of use that time to make yourself better with the flavor. Uh, the blue base was Jeskai, which was blue, red, and white. Uh, it was uh, the wing of the dragon. It was all about cunning. Uh, and it had prowess, uh, which was a mechanic that uh, whenever you cast a nine-creature spell, the creature with prowess gets plus one, plus one to end of turn. It ended up being so popular, we made it evergreen. So you might recognize prowess even if you've never played Contatark here. Uh, the black base one was called Sultai. It was black, green, and blue. Um, they were the, like the tooth of the dragon. Oh, wait, the, yeah, were they the tooth of the dragon? I think they were the tooth of the dragon. Um, they were all about ruthlessness, doing whatever it takes to win. Um, and then uh, their mechanic was um, Delve, which the mechanic uh, hinted at in Future Sight. Uh, it basically allows you to take cards out of your graveyard to reduce your casting cost of spells. It's a graveyard mechanic, uh, using your graveyard as a resource. Um, the red base mechanic, uh, red base wedge was Mardu, so red, black, and white. Uh, it was all about speed. Uh, it was the um, 
Uh, oh, was it the maybe it was the Wing of the Dragon? What was Jeskai? Jeskai was something different. I think this was the Wing of the Dragon because they were speed. Um, they were very fast. They had the raid mechanic, which rewarded you for attacking. That if you would attack this turn, you got a bonus when you cast the the spell. And then the green based one was. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say this backwards? No, Abzan was white. The green based one was uh, Teemer, which was green, red, and blue. It was all about uh, ferociousness. And their mechanic was ferocious, which uh, you got a bonus if you had a creature, a, a creature of power um, four or greater. Um, and so anyway, so we had five mechanics, uh, five, guild, uh, five wedge mechanics, and we had morph as an additional six mechanic. Um, it was chock full. There was a lot going on. Uh, and it was very popular. Um, uh, anything else? Oh, October 10th through the 12th was Pro Tour Concertar here in Honolulu. Uh, they played Standard and Cons Booster Draft. Uh, Ari Lax of the United States defeated Sean McLaren of Canada 3-1. to one. Um, So Sean McLaren, I, I mentioned, won a, a Pro Tour earlier in the year. So this was a mighty fine year for Sean McLaren, who managed to come in first and second at the Pro Tour in the, in the calendar year 2014. Um, so Cons... The interesting thing about Cons was... We really were doing something different, and um, I really was trying. I spent a lot of time and energy explaining to people that we were going to do something, and it was going to radically change, uh, and it did. Uh, but people definitely, we we had not done, we had never done a wedge set. We had done uh, multicolor, two color, multiple times. Obviously, Invasion had done two color, then Ravnica, or Invasion had done multicolor, and then Ravnica did two color specifically, um, and then Shards of Alara had done the ally, the. Uh, the shards, if you will, um, the, the three connective. So shards are, it's a color and it's two allies. Wedges is the color and it's two enemies. Um, and so we, anyway, we spent a lot of time sort of building up the structure for cons. Um, it was, and the, we really also changed over how we were doing our storytelling. Um, this is the period where we switched over from doing novels to doing short stories online. Um, and it really was a big hit. Uh, Concentric Here Block was where we started that. And there was a lot of story to Concentric here, and the, um, uh, it went over really, really well. It really was the start of our, our uh, a change in how we told the story. Um, starting with Magic Origins, which will come in the, uh, the following summer in 2016. Uh, there's even... Oh, wait, wait. Magic 2015? I did this... Uh, right, right. We're in 2014. So um, the following year, in 2015... Um, Magic Origins would be a, a big shake-up in sort of what we're doing the story and how we're telling the story. But the seeds of that started during Kanjitarkir block with how we told the story of Kanjitarkir. Okay, next. Um, on November 7th was Commander 2014. Um, so this was led by Ethan Fleischer. I don't know who the lead developer was. Um, so the shtick to this one was that you had, we had planeswalkers that could be your commander. Um, and there also were lieutenants, which were cards that cared about having a specific, um, that, uh, how do lieutenants work? They cared about having a specific commander. They cared about which your commander was. Um, but anyway, this product, uh, did a lot of looking back. There was a lot of, um, uh, throws to, there was legendary creatures from the past. Some of the planeswalkers that were from the past, like the fairy was from the past. Um, so the, the set had a real high nostalgia and really sort of said, hey, you know, we really could use Commander as a way to sort of 
go back and explore some of the creative things we might have missed in the past. And so one of the things that Commander 2014 also did is really sort of uh, really hit flavor hard and use Commander as a means to sort of take some things. Because normally when we do sets that are set in the present, so it's hard for us to sort of capture things we might have missed. But Commander doesn't have that restriction. And so uh, it was neat to sort of definitely do some things we had never done before. Um, Okay, November 14th was the 2014 holiday gift box. Um, I'm not sure whether this was the first holiday gift box. For years and years and years, we've done products during the holidays, but eventually, uh, with some convincing from me and other people, we convinced them to finally just call it the holiday gift box. Because one of the problems we had is people who would come to buy magic products for their, their friends and family who play magic, who don't themselves play magic, would always get really confused what to buy. So we said, how about we just label it the holiday gift box? Perhaps if you're buying a gift for the holidays, this would be a good idea for you. Um, but anyway, uh, that has definitely proved to be something that people have enjoyed. Okay, finally. Uh, so December 2nd through the 3rd and December 7th, and then on December 5th through the 7th. Uh, so one could argue December 7th, 2nd through the 7th was two events, both held in Nice, France. was the 2014 World Championships and the 2014 Magic World Cup. So the Magic World Cup is the team event. Um, so that's held... Uh, this particular year was held together. Now, not, the, the events aren't always held together. Um, nowadays, they, they tend to be held separately. But the way it works is there's teams from around the world. They create four-person teams. They have to qualify. There's a qualifying uh, at different events in your country. Uh, and then they come and they fight. And the idea is to see what, what country can take the year and be the world championship team of the year. So this particular year, it came down to Denmark versus Greece. Uh, and Denmark managed to defeat Greece 2-1 to one in the finals. So it was an all-European finals. Or all-European final. The, I know the United States made, uh, made the top four, but they, they did not make it to the finals. Okay, uh, also was the World Championships. So I think at the time, uh, you see the 16 or 24, I know we've gone up. Um, I think it was 24, but it might have been 16. Um, anyway, for those that have seen um, the uh, Nate and Sean, who make the Walking the Plains video, did uh, a documentary called Enter the Battlefield. Uh, and the, the big, the, the conclusion of Enter the Battlefield is this event, is the World Championship in Nice, France. Uh, so in it was uh, Shahar Shenhar from Israel was, uh, was taking on Pat Chapin. So the interesting little trivia about this was Shahar Shenhar, the previous year, had won. So he had just played in a Magic Finals the year before. Pat Chapin had played in a Magic Finals uh, a bunch of years before, um, where he lost to an Israeli whose name I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, Pat really... There, there's no person on the face of the earth that I know that more wants to be world champion, Magic Gathering world champion, than Pat Chapin. If you see the documentary, he talks a lot about that. Uh, and so... Pat, uh, he had said his win of Journey to Knicks was just he needed a means to get to the World Championship and that was, he won it so he could get the seat at the table of the World Championship. Uh, so Pat did really well. He got to the finals. So for the, not, this was the first time that any person had repeated in the finals of a World Championship and it turns out that both of them were repeats. Um, now obviously the, the play here was Shahar wanted to be the first person to ever win twice. And not just twice, back to back. Uh, Pat wanted to finally claim the trophy that he had won in his entire magic career. And in the end, Shahar won. 
uh, three zeros. It was a crushing, crushing victory or crushing defeat, I guess. I guess your victories aren't crushing. Um, and uh, Shahar won, uh, and Pat, uh, for the second time, lost in the final of the World Championship to an Israeli. Um, I'm sure Pat will come back and win eventually, um, but congrats to Shahar, who managed to win twice. Um, for those that don't know how the event is run, the uh, World Championship, it's an invitation-only event. Uh, currently, we have 24. I think at the time, there was 24 in this event. Um, and you have to qualify. Uh, you can qualify by winning pro tours, by having enough pro points. There's a bunch of different ways to qualify. Um, and then it is a, um, a very intense. There's lots of different formats. They played three formats at the event. Um, they played standard. They played cons booster draft. And they played live Vintage Masters. Remember what I said earlier that Vintage Masters was an online-only product? Well, for this event, they um, got actual cards and made actual boosters, and the players drafted Vintage Masters live in paper. Um, so it was quite exciting. Uh, that, that's a format. Um, the, the, well, it's not exactly the same. Uh, uh, the, the championship has a little, some throwbacks to the... the the Magic Invitational. Magic Invitational used to have 16 players and we play a bunch of different formats. And um, they're, not, they're not identical. It's not even 16 players anymore. It's not a round-robin tournament. Like, um, and in Magic Invitational, every player would play every player once. It was a round-robin. Um, but anyway, Shahar managed to win and uh, congrats back-to-back world champion. Um, I actually was at that event. Um, uh, my, uh, my, my sister and my mother had brought my nephew, uh, Josh, who is a Magic player, to the event as a special reward for him. Um, and so I had some family there, and it was fun. Uh, and I ate a lot of bread, because uh, France makes mighty fine bread. Uh, but anyway, that, my friends, is the year 2014. Um, like I said, it was a pretty good year. Um, so we finished up Theros block and started Kant and Tarkir block, uh, both of which did very well. Um, we had a bunch of pro tours around the world, Valencia, Atlanta, um, Portland, Honolulu, uh, a bunch of people won. Uh, what else? Nothing too. I mean, this is not. There, there's there's a bunch of big changes coming. Uh, this is, uh, you know, like I said, the uh, I think actually it's not even until 2015 I announced it. So the audience, the, the two year block model which is coming is not even known yet. We don't announce it until 2015. Um, but this is definitely one of the. This in some ways is the last year. If you think of magic as being oh. You know, Magic has the large set and two small sets, or sometimes the second big set. Um, but, you know, it, the, the idea of a Magic with two sets, especially two small sets, and having a core set, something that Magic had done for a long, long time. This was the last year that kind of did that traditional Magic year. The idea of doing, you know, small winter set, small spring set, um, core set in the summer, large set in the fall, something that had been a Magic staple, something that just, we had done time and time again. 2014 would be the last year that we ever did that. Um, so it was, a, it was a fun year. It was a good year. It was a growth year. Um, so 2014, if you remember this correctly, was um, the seventh year in a row that we had had the best year. Or no, I'm sorry, the sixth year in a row that we had the best year we'd ever had. So if you go back five years per- previously, we had a year in which it was the best year Magic had ever had. And then the next year was the best year Magic had ever had. And uh, in 2014, it was our sixth year consecutively of doing that. Uh, the streak doesn't end there, but we'll get that in future years. Um, but anyway, guys, that is, in a nutshell, everything you probably want to know about what happened in Magic 
in the year 2014. Um, so I have one more of these to do to catch up for 2015. Uh, and then eventually, I guess, now my, my plan with this series is, uh, even though I keep claiming it's a 20-part series, it's not, um, I will keep doing one as years finish, although probably I will wait into further in the year. Like, I will do 2015 sometime during 2016, but I, I won't do 2016, obviously, until 2017. But anyway, I'm at my daughter's school, so we all know what that means. It means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. Thanks, guys, and I will see you next time.